Baltimore, a podcast conversation with community leaders and change makers in Baltimore, Maryland, hosted by Govins Presbyterian Church. We're your hosts, Reverend Billy Klutz, Associate Pastor at Govins. And I'm Leah Gilmore, Minister for Racial Justice and Multicultural Engagement. And we believe in Baltimore. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Believe in Baltimore. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Believe in Baltimore. In each episode, we interview local movers and shakers about their work in Baltimore City, and then we discuss a biblical story that might have some parallels to the work they are doing. Today, it is my distinct honor to introduce to you to Joyce J. Scott. Joyce is my girlfriend, my sister, my love. I adore her so much. And Joyce is also pretty pretty much of a famous person. Joyce is a versatile artist from Baltimore, Maryland. She is a printmaker, a weaver, a sculptor, a performance artist, and educator. But she is best known for her work in jewelry, beadwork, and glass. Her art reflects her take on all aspects of American popular culture, her ancestry, and our community. Her pieces serve as a commentary for issues regarding race, politics, sexism, and stereotypes. They are so incredibly powerful. Ms. Scott received her BFA from the Maryland Institute College of Art and MFA from the Instituto Allender and Sangue Miguel de Allender Guanajuato, Mexico. Okay, how about that, Joyce? <laughs> You got no, that was scatting. She was yeah, just scatting. It was a musical application of that. <laughs> San Miguel de Allender, Guanajuato, Mexico. Something close. All right. There, I, I speak French. <laughs> yeah. San Miguel de Mexico de San de Guanajuato de Yeah, she does There that. you go. But you're adding a... Yeah, yeah. That's the French part. There you go. <laughs> Her work is in the collections of the Baltimore Museum of Art, Mint Museum of Craft and Design, Spencer Museum of Art, and the Smithsonian Art Museum and museums all over the world. In 2016, commonly known as the Genius Grant, Joyce was named a fellow of the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Welcome, Joyce, to Believe hey. in Baltimore. I'm so glad you're here, girl. Thank yes. you. Right back at you. Thank you. Yes, welcome, really? Joyce. We are Hi, so, Big Bill. We're so happy to have you. Um, as we settle in for a conversation about beauty and community, I was wondering if you could start us off by sharing what being an artist means to you. What's the role of the artist, especially right now in our community, in our nation? I don't know if our role has ever changed. We are the suppliers of beauty, truth, and invention to a society. And by that, I should say that beauty means uh, something that's worth looking at. <laughs> mm. It could be ugly, but it's also beautiful. Mm. We that. are the people who make everything that you wear, use, sit on. Mm. We even design the dollar bill. So we are efficient and important in the society because we're the makers of, the side, of society. Also in this making, we produce dreams. 
were the actors and the musicians and the singers who, who enliven your day and give you something to dream about. A lot of us are politically and, and socially oriented, so we use our artwork and our uh, aesthetic platform to talk about the joys and the ills of our society. What I'm saying to you is that most artists are just solid citizens who use the talents that we've been awarded genetically <laughs> to uplift and to be better citizens. Now, how does that work for me? I'm a classic African-American woman. I was raised in Sandtown, but my parents were sharecroppers in North and South Carolina. And I come, my lineage is, is a slavery. Uh, so that's so classically East Coast. Um, what did that do for me? It gave me a bedrock to stand on, to understand myself as a human, as a woman, as an African-American woman. And it aligned me with the, the history and what's happening in Baltimore. So it has been my passport to life. And because I've inherited it from my mother and my uh, my ancestors in the past, it's been my bloodline as, as well. And you have to, Billy, you have to stop being polite and doing the lip thing and shaking your head because I will talk and talk. Yes. <laughs> One question could take 97 minutes. No, I, I, I love it. What a, what a great <laughs> idea. I mean, I think all of us who took art for granted, if we were stuck at home during the pandemic, we very quickly appreciated what creators do, mm -hmm. right? The, the value One of hopes. Very One very hopes. Amen. So Joyce, we're, by the way, everyone, Joyce Scott is a phenomenal singer as well. I mean, she's absolutely incredible. We're gonna have to get her to be a part of Music Mondays. We'll mm -hmm. talk, Joyce. Uh, but so Joyce, we're both Baltimore girls. What do you love about Baltimore? And, you know, what are the hidden treasures in Baltimore? I think our treasures are that hidden. I, I think they are. Okay. We think that they're hidden because when folks come to Baltimore, or when we see Baltimore talked about in the media, it's always about drugs and guns. But this is a very, very old city. It's one of the, you know, first colonial cities in America. The architecture is amazing. We have art institutions. I believe that Baltimore is a town that has undergone so many harrowing situations throughout history because, you know, we were very, very active in the civil rights movement. This was a slave town. This was a town that was overshadowed by Washington, D.C. We were Southern sympathizers and forced to be Northern sympathizers because of our proximity to the Capitol. So we've had some real problems with that. Redlining started here. That's what the terminology. Mm -hmm. Through all of those thicks and thin, we have a city that's filthy with progress, filthy with artists of all sorts, visual, literary, and performing artists. We have a town that still is fat with its Southern past, which means that people are convivial and they're wonderful to each other when they're wonderful. I just think of Baltimore as being any post-industrial city on the East Coast that's lost a lot of its industry and that's had to make a new way. What people also don't know is Baltimore being a city in the state of Maryland has a, one of the highest rates of uh, educated African-Americans who do well, who try to own buildings and who help in the community. Very true, very true.
Joyce. And that's exactly what this podcast is about. It's about believing in Baltimore. So thank you for sharing why you believe in Baltimore. Because we definitely do. May I add a little bit on that? Sure it's like, why would I not believe in my hometown? Why would I not, after I've been blessed to travel the world and see homeless people and drug addicts and fat people and thin people and rich and poor people everywhere I go, why would I not see that Baltimore is not only reminiscent of my travels, but that Baltimore is just another large city in during the 21st century? Amen. Uh, that's what? what it is for me. I'm also not scared of my own folks. Hmm. People ask me why I still live downtown, why I live off North Avenue, because I ain't scared of, of my own people. I understand the travails and the turmoil we're in, but quite honestly, the difference for me between drug abuse is the violence is usually connected with the sale of drugs and that's in the city. But the majority of drugs are being done in people's basements all over the city and the county. Right. So to uh, tar us with that, saying that we're drug abusers and users isn't realistically looking at the entire state, in fact, the entire world. Amen. Well said. Thank you, Joyce. Okay. Thank you. I'm in love with Baltimore, too. I found that traveling made me love Baltimore even more. There you go. I mean, it put it puts you in. Um, I mean, one sees oneself as you truly are. Yes. Uh, it it becomes your home because when you go someplace else, you're uh, you know Leah goes, she sings in Belgium and France and other places and different hairstyles and fabulous clothing. Talking. <laughs> but when she's home, she's that still that very fabulous hair, whatever. But she's a Baltimore girl. That's right. And that warmth, being That's surrounded right. by the warmth uh, of your past, your present, your future, that's that feels good. Amen. Yes. Yes, Joyce. You just done preach, girl. Hallelujah. <laughs> Billy Klutzelman, do you have something you'd like to say to me? His last name is Klutz, and it I've sure been is. so respectful by not doing 20 minutes on him being a <laughs> Thank I'm you, sorry, Joyce. Thank you. I couldn't. I'm sorry, Bill. William, please. You're, you're just fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm from uh, North Carolina where it's a little more common name, but I've, I've certainly heard the jokes. Yeah. <laughs> well, certainly. Thank, thank you. We believe in Baltimore, too. And that's why we're so excited to do this podcast. Um, and at Govan's Presbyterian Church, we like to say that we ground our work in stories, stories from our neighbors, our own stories from our religious tradition as Christians, and certainly from other traditions as well. And that's why we try to talk about uh, stories from the Bible on this podcast, but we try to approach it with an open mind, uh, because we know in Baltimore there's a lot of diversity, and not everybody's Christian, and certainly all the Christians don't think alike, look alike, mm -hmm. act alike uh, in Baltimore or anywhere else. And so in this podcast, we have an open space for for people of all religious traditions and no faith and lots of faith to talk about what these stories might mean for us here and today in this city as we're making art, as we're making meaning together. So we are going to have another one of those dialogues and Leah is going to read our story for today. Okay. Well, our story for today comes from Numbers 21, chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. It's a story about the Israelite people wandering in the desert and a creative response to a community problem. From Mount Or, they set out by the way to the Red Sea, 
to go around the land of Edom, but the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so, so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have spent sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Thank you, Leah. This is one of those stories that you kind of have to laugh at or you're going to cry. <laughs> so. I was very close. <laughs> I was like, stay serious. <laughs> well, so, well, isn't this a direct parable to the pandemic? Well, that's, I, yeah, yes. what, what are your yeah, initial I, for, Well, for me, it's like, um, we have done horrible things to our ecology and now it has become a serpent and we're in the wilderness of knowledge attempting to find a cure and a way out. Mm. So we, God has given us knowledge, the ability to, to evolve, to mature, to create through thought and research. Mm. So there we are in the wilderness, we get bit by COVID mm. and we do not allow ourselves to believe in this knowledge that we have to believe in, in the vaccination mm. right. because we're, you know, we're hard headed, we're put in adversity and we don't know how to deal with it and we just don't want to do it. Mm. So then we get the COVID and, and the vaccination comes and it says, those, you know, those of you who, who want to feel better, you just have to use the knowledge that I've given you because I am with some religious sometimes people and they they act as if the knowledge that we're given, the ability to think, our intelligence should stay at one level. Right. That we shouldn't keep evolving and growing and using this great knowledge, this is a great ability that we have mm -hmm. to create an even a better world. But uh, that's how I saw it. In that bronze serpent, I thought I could make earrings or something. It just Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, that's why I, <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, Joyce. That's why I picked this story because literally, God says the way to fix the problem is through an art installation. It's through yeah, crafting, exactly. right? Like, and I just I don't know. For me, that's exactly what I was thinking. What is the role of the artist during the pandemic, especially? Right? Are, what are they lifting up that we need to look at? I think is my other question. Well, firstly, and I'm yelling this to, I talk to, I encourage them. I don't, uh, my friends who haven't gotten it, I encourage them to get the um, vaccination, the vaccination. I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know why my tongue won't say vaccination. <laughs> because firstly, it's for us to stay healthy. If mm -hmm. we are bedrocks, if we are touchstones within our community, if we make a difference, then don't we need to be healthy and strong and alert and aware? 
that's one of the first things. Mm-hmm. I think also I've heard some rap about it. I've heard some songs that allude to it. I've heard people do spoken word about it in a way that maybe younger folks would understand better than a geezer like me coming up to Billy Klutzman and saying, William Klutzman. <laughs> hey, look, I'm, I'm, laying, I'm in geezer land too, girlfriend. I'm geezer like She's pre-geezer. She's a baby. She's pre <laughs> So Joyce, you know what, when I heard this story, I almost saw the vaccine as the bronze serpent. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what I very meant, yeah. So. Yeah, very much so, the vaccine is the bronze serpent. And I think your interpretation is so spot on. The, the God has given us, science and religion are not, you know, Metrically opposed. They're yeah. not on different sides. So what do you think about that? That um, we as people of faith, any faith, or little faith or no faith, or we as human beings, what, how can art inspire people to do? Well, it does every, every day. I mean, one of the basic things is when you, for a lot of people say when you look good, excuse me, you feel good. So people who adorn themselves with garments that have been made by artists, jewelry been made by artists, lip colors and makeups, all of these things are made by artists. They they really don't fall out of the sky. You don't dig them up and then leave it as it is. You know, you take dirt now, rub some dirt on my face. Don't you think that's a nice rude color? No. <laughs> so artists with scientists have used both of their strengths and made makeup. We've made dyes that will allow us to wear colorful clothing. Uh, we And in doing that, you know what people don't also think about? That the arts create jobs for people. So, uh, I mean, we, we are very, very important to the culture. And what has it done in this wonderful time? I think, and, and Bill said it earlier, you go home and you realize how the things that you are ensconced with for a year, make a difference in your life. That chair you're sitting on, oh, it's green. I get to read a book, guys. I get to watch Netflix and watch an actual movie. I'm eating food out of a plate that's not just a paper plate. It's something in the utensils fits my hand well. And that feeling means something to me. All of those things are, are sometimes the things that we begin to really actualize we're, we're placed in uh, a tumultuous situation yeah. I, I love that and, and as i was getting ready for our conversation today i listened to an interview you did joyce and I loved, I loved your quote so much i wrote it down because i thought i'm going to use this in a sermon one day you said i think i wrote this down right i want art to be so beautiful that they can't stop staring at it and as yeah. they see it they have to figure out what that issue means to them and to me, that immediately made me think of, of this story as well. Um, I'm wondering, are there any, any other parallels? Or, or how do you know when your art has, has achieved its goal? Well, people will tell you. I don't necessarily want people to like it. And when I speak of beauty, I'm trying to speak more of truth and reality. So you, uh, I do work on lynch, lynchings and a lot of uh, the sexual objectification of men and women. Uh, I'm doing a piece now, a larger sculpture on the on the slaughter of African albinos in around five countries in Africa. Mm. Now, these are Africans who look just like the 
Africans without albinism, except they're white. And they are slaughtered and used in ceremonies. What in a human would allow the, that human to look at another person and not see them as human? So I want my artwork to attempt to involve the viewer in something much deeper than my commitment to the to the, the to the skill. Hmm. Um, and that's that's my bully pulpit. That's my my best soapbox. I'm not a a preacher, although I did street ministry with my godparents who were preachers. Oh, Can wow. you tell? <laughs> and yeah. and um, you know, I'm no longer teaching or a professor or any of that stuff. So how can I still rid myself of these issues that are important to me? Because even because I'm an artist doesn't mean that I don't have the same, uh, I'm not dealing with the same calamities everybody else is. I mean, I have to pay my gas and electric bill. You know, I want to keep my water running. <laughs> Uh, so how do I deal with that not working for myself and for others? It's through my artwork. And Joyce, Joyce's art is so incredibly far-reaching. From the what we perceive as aesthetically beautiful, her jewelry, I wanted to put on my earrings, but, you know, I, I put them in my safe deposit box because they're Joyce got earrings. And they're not... Safe deposit box. Okay. <laughs> Mine well, is a shoe box, but all I got is... <laughs> Well, Joyce, I got to get some more earrings, though. We have to talk about that. But when I was an undergrad at Morgan State University, I took an intro to African-American art. And uh, one of the featured artists was Joyce Scott. That's so, how old. That's how old I am. Okay, <laughs> not you. All right. And so I went to the Corkin Gallery in D.C. My husband and I, we went. And we were like, okay, we'll go see who this woman is. We'll go check it out. You know, we went to this when we say life is art changing, this exhibit we went to, there was one piece that we talked about for at least 20 years afterwards. And it was called Me, Mommy, Me. Mm -hmm. You know that, um, yeah. Joyce? Yeah. And it was a depiction in beadwork, I believe, of a black baby reaching up to his black mother with all the white children she takes care of all day and telling her that I'm here too. Please take care of me. That hit me so hard to this day. It's the power of art and it's the power of Joyce's art. That is sort of like the strange fruit when we sing that song. It's the incredible beauty of the, what she's using and the powerful message that she's conveying. So thank you for that, Joyce. Thank you. I, I, that's a whole series called the Nanny Now Nigger series. Yes. In word, because that's truly what you should know. Mm -hmm. And there are around five of those different nannies. And that one, people many times are thinking that I'm saying that the child is receiving nothing and the white kid is getting everything. But that's not what I'm really saying. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is she works all day with that child and then comes home and works all night with her family. For that woman, there is no respite. There is no time off. And then when you think about it, there is no bottom to her well of love. She's taking care of an infant that she could have actually drowned or done terrible things to. But she treats that as a human being, a wonderful babe. 
And then she goes home and does the exact same thing with her kid. So there, it talks about, for me, in many ways, the bottom, the bottomless well of love, the, mm -hmm. this indispensable quotient of love that African-American women have to have displayed and have to had in their toolbox mm -hmm. for always. Uh, we've always taken care of. Now that may not be a job you wanted. You may be wanting mm -hmm. to go out and be a nuclear physicist, but it was something that we came equipped with. Mm -hmm. I know that's a sweeping statement, but my proof is what we've done throughout history. Right, and what we continue to do. Like three of us, it's literally been us throughout history. Mm -hmm. So I I mean, I I like that. I'm, I'm glad you remembered that because that's oh, a good, yeah. good series. Thank you so much, Joyce, for your incredible artwork. Your ministry, shall I call it? Yes. Okay. Your music, your soul, your heart. And girl, you're just funny. Thank you. And I thank you personally just for getting me through so much. Um, Govins Presbyterian Church is an open and welcoming church. And we would love to feature one day some of your art. Well, we'll see. I've talked to my gallery about it. But we'll That's see. Right. Talk to your gallery. You know, yes. Joyce has people. Joyce's people have people. All oh, right? I have. <laughs> I'm step two. I better have some people. Because nothing but people, <laughs> right? So when I say let my people talk to Joyce's people, it's like let my son call her, you know. <laughs> and I've done music with your son. Yes, you have. Yes, you we have. We did an Aretha Franklin oh. memorial for her. There were at least 10 different artists of uh, old-fashioned rock blues band. He awesome. backed up singers. Yes. Woo! It was the best night. And that was at the Creative Alliance in Baltimore, another Baltimore yes. thing. Yes. So there's a lot happening. You have so, you have touched this city in so many profound ways, from being on the cover of Baltimore Magazine with your art to just being where you need to be when you need to be. So, well, may I say that I think that's another kind of uh, ingredient in cities like Baltimore, and I'll speak specifically about my town, mm -hmm. but you make a way where there is no way. That's right. And you come up with these alchemical elixirs that turn something, it, well, it doesn't change the sadness. Many times it makes the sadness livable. Yeah. Um, it turns the frown upside down, not always into a giant smile, but you know, it, it is one of the things we do. I can tell you that when you're walking around Baltimore, there as many people are laughing as not talking trash, singing. My block has music on sometimes. I'm like, I wish they would turn it. They turn it off and the block behind me turns on music. <laughs> when I leave my house and I'm in a very challenged block, there'll be people yelling at me, hey mom, mom you need help getting in the car? I, I mean, there is a, a way where people who are overwhelmed find a way to be joyous to others Amen. and and that really is around this town when you don't have when you don't have a lot and you share that extra you know i used to leave restaurants and we always took all the extra food because you know you're full you know how to do that but then you leave all the bread and you leave half your 
steak or fish. So we'd always take it and give it to people. And uh, one night, Linda De Palma and I were driving on 83 and the same guy was there. And he said, oh yeah, I remember you. You're the ones with the real fancy food. <laughs> There's something about giving and making a way where there is no, where there seems to be no way. That's a real kind of uh, persona in Baltimore. And the Creative Alliance is such an, an amazing example of a, of a movie theater that I want you to know I used to go to and then I would immediately get on the bus and go back home because that part of Highland Town was not so great for black people. That's right, that's right. And, but I would go to the movies and uh, now to be someone who has exhibited there, who's performed there, performed with Leah, done talks there, who sees how like-minded people took a space and turned it into a gallery, a performance arena, a living space for artists, classes, festivals. That's that's an amazing thing. And they are a model for other spaces around the United States. And they're building an entire new extension now. Yep. And this comes from a from people who, you know, who are fighting with everybody else for that one piece of economic pie. And they're still doing it. Well. And that comes through a lot of prayers too, may I add, a lot of people praying for. Amen. Amen. Well, well we're prayerful you. and thankful to you, Joyce. Yeah. Reverend Billy. I was going to say, I, I just, I, to me, just hearing about your hospitality, to me, that's such a beautiful way of how your creativity is embodied too. I think that's really inspiring. Uh, I'm wondering as we come to a cl an end of this conversation, are there other, are there any final thoughts or things that you need to share with us or we should have asked you about? Well, I'm going to ask Leah to sing this song with me. This little light of mine. Sing it, Leah. I'm going to let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine. <laughs> I'm going to let it shine, yes. Yeah. Let it shine. Let it shine. Together, baby. Let it shine. Let it shine. Love you so much, Joyce. Thank you. Amen. Wow, what a Thank treat. You. What a treat to be front row for this. Thank you both. <laughs> Thanks again to Joyce J. Scott for joining us for such a powerful conversation about beauty, truth, and art right now. If you don't want to miss great conversations like this with other local leaders, follow Believe in Baltimore, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or Radio Public. And send us your ideas. Who should we have on this show? What questions should we be asking? Email me, billy at govensprez.org. And don't miss all the great things that Govins is doing online and in person this fall by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Anything I forgot, Leah? You said it all, Billy. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And until then, may God keep blessing you with difficult questions and good friends to ask them alongside. And always believe in Baltimore. We're going to let it shine. Amen. Thank you.
Ha 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 